Amen. Let's get into the Word this morning and ask God to be with us. But let's pray for a moment. I just sense God's here today. And, uh, you know, even in the song service, you know, uh, just praying that God wanted to do what He wanted to do today. And, you know, sometimes uh, there's this condition... Basically, if you are, have been in prison for a long time, you know, decades, 30, 40 years, uh, sometimes you don't know how to act free or be free. And even if they pardon you or even if they let you loose, some, there are some prisoners that don't even want to go back out to the real world because all they know uh, is behind those walls of captivity. And I, I don't know, I feel like that's a word for, for someone today that uh, all you know, all you have known, is behind the walls of captivity for so long. But Jesus has freed you. Uh, he wants you to start walking in that freedom. Amen? Amen. So if that's for you today, I'm going to just give you that word. But let's pray. Ask the Lord to be with us today. Father God, uh, Lord, today is all about you. It's for you. It's by you. God, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, have your way today. Lord, Just we receive that word. God, to walk in freedom. Lord, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your gifts, God, that maybe there is someone here today, Lord, that has been behind captivity for so long, God, that they don't know how to feel free, they don't know how to think free, they don't know how to walk free, but Lord, you have torn down those walls that they might experience your spirit, God, that you might let them walk in liberty, uh, Lord, that's where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Father, today, God, we are just praying for that breakthrough of the Holy Spirit. God, that we would just have the sense of joy and peace and power. God, that comes only from knowing you, only from the work of Jesus Christ. Because, Lord, we can hammer on those walls and hammer and hammer. God, and, and only make a dent. But, God, when Jesus sets the captive free, they are free indeed. And, God, we just want to receive that freedom today. In the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I'm just going to give you this service today. God, have your way. Have your way in our midst. Holy Spirit, come. Just take a, let's just take a moment. Just wait on Him for a moment. Like, I just kind of want to speak to, to people in this place. And uh, maybe you're not used to hearing from God. And just let's allow this moment. Church, we don't have to have a program. We're just here to have the Holy Spirit minister to us. He's not, he's the, God is the best pastor there is. And we want him to do that his work today. So, Father, just right now, God, we just ask you, Lord, to do something that only you can do. That only you can do. God, that we would receive from you today. Amen. Amen. Let's do something a little different today. Jimmy, don't, don't worry about my PowerPoint. Turn with me in the Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, verse 1. I had a, a different message prepared uh, for us today, but uh, the Lord worked it out that there was a, a message I didn't get to give in, in Alaska, and uh, I had it held off, and I, I didn't feel really led to give it until just now. So uh, we're going to flip things up. All right, is that cool with you? Follow the Spirit today. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. We're going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you about a letter, a letter to the captive. Um, how many people have ever been lost in the dark before? You know, uh, uh, I've, I think I've told the story here before, but uh, in, in Arkansas, uh, my family, extended family, has a lot of uh, farmland. And one time we were out there, uh, and uh, we were riding a little side-by-side that my family had just gotten. Lee Weatherly, actually, the previous, uh, he just spoke last week here at Sanctuary. 
And uh, he was riding, Beth and I, and we were out, and they had this little Chinese-looking side-by-side. It was like not a man side-by-side. It was one of those ones that you would thought like you know, a bunch of clowns would come out of, you know, that you see in the circus. And I was making fun of him. I'm thinking, what in the world kind of manly? I mean, you're supposed to be a man. Where's the big side-by-side, the jacked-up lights on it? And he's like, oh, no, 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 it's good, it's good. And so we get in, and we're going riding around looking for hogs and, and things and like that in the dark. And, and uh, it's a swampy, and we go uh, through the fields and cut around, and, you know, this is thousands and thousands of acres that we're riding around. We're about a mile or two away from anywhere in the middle of, any, in the middle of nowhere, uh, south, uh, southeast Arkansas. And so we're riding, I've got this spotlight, and all of a sudden I was like, man, this spotlight doesn't really work so well. Uh, what's going on with it? You know, it's, it's kind of dim, and, uh, and he's like, yeah, it is kind of dim. And, and then I start driving, and I was like, man, your headlights, are they dimmer than they were before? Uh, and we're driving, he's like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, da 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 the alternator has gone out, lights are gone, we're in the middle of nowhere, no cell phone reception, uh, Beth's in the back seat, we're here, and it's like one of those moments where you see, hear the, how, you know, the howling of the coyotes, and you know, we're talking about Big, Bigfoot and Swamp Thing and everything else, and we're like, we don't know, nobody knows where we are, how are we going to get back home, uh, we have nowhere to get, and so I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, Beth's locking the doors, uh, and uh, we're like, we're just going to have to walk through the swamp. Uh, and so finally we get the, we get the call, uh, we find signal, he calls his dad, and he says, you know, we're around that bend, past that tree, past this, you know, and, you know he only knew, only he knew where we were. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, a few minutes pass, and finally we see the light of that beautiful Ford F-150 coming around the corner that found us, so we didn't have to walk through the swamp. And so, but sometimes, uh, you know, it can be a little scary in the dark. And when you're lost in the dark, you know, you can't see uh, your hand in front of your face or maybe you were a child, you were scared of the dark. But uh, sometimes I think as people, we are captive to the dark. In that moment, we were paralyzed by the dark. The dark would hinder us from finding the light. And yet, thank the Lord that the light found us. How many are glad that the light has come to find you. When you couldn't get closer to Jesus, Jesus was willing to get closer to you. It was impossible for us to break free of the captivity of sin, to overcome the obstacles that hindered us, to uh, overcome the things that bound us. But Jesus Christ was sent by God that you and I could have victory over our spiritual mental battles of things like depression and suicide and emotional distress. We can uh, have victory over those, uh, those times of bitterness and rage. He has come to give us uh, victory over those addictions, whether it be pornography or alcohol or drugs or bad life choices that have controlled us. Or maybe it's even physical infirmities. Maybe there's been times where you just say, God, I can't get beyond this point Right here. And I think that's a wonderful place to be when you realize that I am helpless and hopeless without God. We have to get to that place. If you think you can find your way out, if you think you can search and start walking through the swamps of life to get to that place, you may not make it. And sometimes we need to surrender and receive the rescue that God has already provided. Are you with me? Somebody say, Amen. 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 So when we are a captive and we can't find our way out, when we're too scared to leave the car, sometimes we need a rescue. And the word captive means this. It means imprisoned, enslaved, locked up 
or caged. And I love what Webster says. Webster says it means held under the control of another, but having the appearance of independence. How many Christians are in that place today that we are held under the control of something else, but we have the appearance of independence? That darkness didn't physically have something on me and Beth, and we're, we could have moved around, we could have acted like we were free, but literally we weren't. We were captive to the dark. The dark held a hold on us. But so he also goes on, Webster says, but it's also owned or controlled by another person, uh, but and operated for their needs rather than for your own freedom. That sometimes when the devil has a hold on us, he's operating you and your situation, your mind and your, your self-control for his needs and the flesh's needs rather than the needs that God has for you and the wants that God has for you. So are we held under the control of another, but maybe you have the appearance of freedom today. And so I think that was the word that came earlier in the service that there are some times that we have been held captive uh, by things for so long and Jesus has opened the door and opened the gate and you could walk on all out. But, you know, though, sometimes you can have a parakeet or a parrot. And if it's been in that cage for so long, some of those birds don't even want to leave the cage. And there's even a word for it. It leaves my mind right now. But there are some birds that they won't even leave the cage because they've been caged for too long. And so today we're going to talk about walking through that open door. How about that? Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 30, verse one. If you're there, say amen. Okay. Uh, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and had attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until he had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. So here's the story. David has been on the run from Saul. We've been in our Timeless Testament series. And David had been on the run from Saul. And he uh, live, was living behind enemy lines, and he had been given the city of Ziklag. And while he is out fighting some battles and on the go, the city has been left unguarded. And there his family has fallen prey to the Amalekites. And the Amalekites are the ones that have been long enemies of Israel and had really been the ones that Saul had a lot of issues with. And so David's about 70 miles away from his family, and he's actually been in the plain of Sharon. Those of you who heard the roses of Sharon, that word is very familiar to to you, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he's been in the plain of Sharon, and the enemy has seen that the city was defenseless, and now they're about to take revenge on David for all that he's done against them. So he's taken advantage of. Don't you know the enemy likes to take advantage of you? The Bible says that you and I really were born to be children of God, that God in His plan has always designed that you and I would be His children. But when Satan came in, he brought destruction, and sin brought death, and death brought judgment on us, that we had been held captive by our sins. The Bible says that we were lost in the ignorance and the futility of our minds, that we were captive to the darkness that surrounded us. There are so many people in the world today that don't see 
the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of who they were meant to be. They have no identity. And so all the things the enemy has done in this world today has bound them. And uh, you've got young ladies that are being bound to follow what Hollywood's image of beauty and sexuality is. You've got young men, fatherless and, and empty of some identity in this world. So they're looking to all the things the world has to offer. And what the world says is masculinity and, and identity as a son or a daughter or a father. All these things, but they had been held captive. You know, the enemy has no reservation either. He's fine to take your spouse. He's fine to take your kids, your home, and all he can. The Bible says in 1 Peter that we're to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, he's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And don't you know the enemy loves to take when we're weak and we're alone and we're without a covering. So look in verse... Six. So they'd been taken captive. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says, Now David was greatly distressed. Maybe that's where you are today. Before the people spoke of stoning him, because of the soul of all the people was grieved, and every man for his son and his daughters. But David, here's the contrast, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. See, the world has a way of trying to figure out their own problems and solve their own issues. They want to try to navigate the darkness. They want to try to solve the darkness. They're going to try to fix that, uh, that, that alternator. They're going to try to buy new equipment. They're going to try to find better cell phone coverage. They're going to try to do all that they can. Maybe we can make a bridge. Maybe we can shine our own light. Maybe we can come up with some solution to get out of drugs and alcohol and depression and suicide and anger and lust and, and how to solve my marriage and how to uh, recover my kids and how to bring family unity and how to uh, get more money and have a better, more life and more peace so I can sleep better at night. I can take more pills and I can take a pill for this and a pill for that and a pill for this and maybe I can go to enough counseling for this and maybe if I just cut off this family or you know, move, move from here to there, if I can just change jobs, that'll be it or if I can just get a different spouse, maybe that'll solve it or you know, we begin to try to figure our lives out according to the ways of the world. But the Bible says when the world was grieved and they're, 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 they were powerless to truly change their condition, powerless to overcome their hurts, habits, and hang-ups, like we talk about in our Celebrate Recovery. But it says that David did something different. He strengthened himself in what? In the Lord. In the Lord. What does it mean to strengthen yourself in the Lord? One author says this was the very key that held David, made David a man after God's own heart. That when other people were uh, fretting, and, fretting at their loss, one author says, David bore it better and he encouraged himself in God. He remembered that promise that God said, hey, I've put an anointing on you. I'm going to make you king. I'm going to make you victorious. He remembered that he had a God that allowed him to uh, walk with one stone and sling it against a giant and bring victory for his whole nation just by one blow. He knew that he had a God that would provide for him in the wilderness even though his enemies were against him even when he was hiding in a cave David knew there was a God who could bring light out of darkness peace out of trouble good out of evil and loved him because he was called according to God's purposes the Bible tells us that in Romans 8 28 that God has a purpose for you 
that he has a plan for you, and you are called according to his purpose. He even wrote, David would write later in uh, in Psalms 27, he says, The Lord will be my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In those darkest times, it's really easy to be scared. I don't know about how many had a nightlight when you were little, but you always thought about the boogeyman in the closet, or you know something was under the bed, or what could be. It's all the what-ifs. And in the darkest times of our life, it is a scary time. We've been captive to it. But David said, the Lord is like that nightlight. The Lord is my light. Why should I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. What's your strength in troubled times? What's your strength when the darkness seems to surround us and and the wolves are howling in the night and the fear takes over? What if this doesn't get better? What if my marriage is never going to change? What if I don't get this job? What if my kids never come home? And the enemy wants to say, yep, it's bad. You might as well give up. Might as well move on. Might as well give in. You might as well find happiness this way. Who cares if, you know, your spouse doesn't love you, but that guy or that girl at work, maybe they're really interested in you. Maybe they'll give you the, the, the love that you really need. Isn't that how the enemy works? Maybe, maybe it is hopeless. Maybe you are helpless. Why don't you try to figure it out on your own? Why don't you start walking and navigating that darkness and and see what might happen? Man, he wants to get you isolated. He wants to get you out of the will of God. He wants you to get off out of that four-wheeler and get into that dark swamp. He wants you to try to make it across that deep, uh, desperate valley so he can get you alone and isolated from the Word of God and the light of God where he knows he's got you. That's what he wants. But David said, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. Look in verse 7. David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, bring the ephod here to me. Now the ephod's this robe, this, this uh, uh, thing that priests would wear. It was a sign of ministry and humility and service to the Lord. And so the priest brought the ephod to David. So David of the choir of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this troop? And shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered, Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them without fail. You'll recover all. So David went. He and the 600 men who were with him came to the brook Besor, where those who stayed were left behind. And David pursued, and he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary they could not cross the brook Besor. Now this brook is about five, some think 13 miles south of Ziklag. Now remember, David was about 70 miles away. So he had already traveled 70 miles, probably on foot, to find his family had been taken, his home burned with fire. And so David prayed. He strengthened himself in the Lord and says, God, will you give me victory? Have you sent me to this place? Is this something you've sent me to do? And so God says, yes, I've sent you to overtake the enemy. And so he strengthened himself in the Lord and David took off running full speed. I don't know about you, but if you just walk 70 miles, how many people are ready to run full speed another 13? All right? So they come to this brook, and 200 of David's mighty men, these are some men who are warriors, mercenaries, people who had been broken and hurt and lost and found strength in David and loved the vision that David had. 200 of them couldn't keep up with him. They fell behind, so David crosses the brook, and he keeps on running. In Ezekiel chapter 34, it says, But the Lord says, I indeed myself, I'm going to search for my sheep. I will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock. On the day he is among his scattered sheep, I'll seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and a dark 
day. That was a prophecy that God gave Ezekiel about the coming of his son. You see, David is a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. That there was a day coming, God said, that my sheep, the people who really will love me and are called by my name, they're scattered around the world. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, and they're all around the world. But there's coming a day where I'm going to send my son, the shepherd. But this isn't just going to be like any other shepherd. He's going to be like a warrior kind of a shepherd. He's a king shepherd, and he's a, uh, a warrior shepherd. He's going to go, and it's going to be on a dark and cloudy day that my sheep have been scattered and taken captive by the enemy. But I am going to seek after each and every one of them. You know, the Bible, Jesus even said that he, his father, he are like a, a shepherd who goes and searches, even leaving the 99 for that one lost sheep. That that's the love that God has to pursue you and I. Well, we've been held captive by the enemy in the wilderness. So maybe you've been captive and enslaved to bad habits. Maybe it has been those bouts of depression or suicide or emotional turmoil in your life. Maybe it's been overwhelming uh, through a physical infirmity. But the Lord's will for you clearly from Scripture is that you would be complete. Everybody say complete. Complete. Completely free in your mind and in your spirit to the point that He will heal you and give you some spiritual peace. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's God's will for you, but you've got to believe it. You've got to believe that this verse is for you. You know what? Sometimes we worship and it's just worshiping in my flesh. But there's a place that God wants to get me to worship in my spirit, right? Sometimes I'm just worshiping with what energy and, and availability I have with just the strength that I have. But David began to strengthen himself in the Lord. The Lord is a spirit, right? And so there's this place that comes beyond our physical ability. And David is that same way, that he ran as fast as he could, as far as he could, overcoming obstacles to get to the people he loved. And it was only because of the strength of the Lord that he made it all the way. Jesus is running for you. Jesus is running for you. Now look at this in verse 16. Now after finding an Egyptian in the field uh, who's managed to escape, David sees this Egyptian. So his family's been taken advantage of. They've been held captive to the darkness. He's in pursuit of them. And he finds, finally gets to that place. In verse 16, he says, they, There they were. They were spread out over the land, eating and drinking and dancing. He's talking about the enemy. Because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David attacked them from twilight to the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except for 400 men who rode on camels and fled. And verse 18, So David recovered all. Everybody say all. all. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything, which they had taken from them. David recovered all. I love how the author repeats all multiple times. He got it all. He got it all. David, he believed that they were far away. They had no clue. The enemy uh, had no clue David was coming, but David had been running nonstop. The Bible says he ran nonstop that day and into that night. I don't know if you've ever ran a marathon or something, but David had ran all day and all night to get to that place. And when he tops the hill, he sees them, and the enemy was having a party. A party. There was a day when Jesus came... And God had sent His Son, born of a woman, that He would come and rescue us. And the Bible says that Jesus says the Spirit of the Lord was on Him to proclaim liberty to the captives, the favorable year of the Lord behind uh, sight to the blind. That Jesus was coming to give light 
revelation, freedom. That's why he came. So Jesus came down. But there was a method to this. A battle had to be won. That battle was fought on the cross. And on that cross, Jesus would be in the grave for uh, three days. He would be taking, the Bible says in Ephesians, that Jesus would lead captivity captive. That he would lead captivity, even the captivity, the idea of captivity itself, he would even lead it captive. That means if there was a prison, that there would be no more prison. The idea of a prison would be gone away with. The ideas of walls in a believer's life, of of emotional struggle and turmoil, that captivity would keep you captive. He says it would be led away with. He would take the idea of death and it would be uh, sent to hell itself. It would be gone. And the devil was having a party, though, when Jesus was up on that cross. He thought, yes, I got him. I've won. People ain't got no hope no more. God's son is dead. There's no way. I've got their families. I've got their friends. All their eternal hope is gone. There's going to be depression. There's going to be war. There's going to be rape. There's going to be pillage. There's going to be all these things that are coming in the world today because people have no hope. Don't you know that the people were in that camp? Can you imagine being David's family? You're sitting around the campfire, and here's all these pagan people dancing and rejoicing, and it's pitch black all around, and you're thinking, it's over. It's done. We're lost. We're going to be slaves for the rest of our life. What about my kids? What about my children? There's nothing. We're done for. The enemy has totally won. David was gone. He don't even, nobody knows where we are. But David was running. Don't you know, Jesus, in those moments where you can't see him, and it seems like darkness is all around, and the enemy has got the only source of light, and the enemy is there dancing and rejoicing and saying, this is what my plan is for you. This is what I want for your marriage. This is what's ha- Don't you see your marriage is crumbling? Don't you see your kids are lost? There's nothing coming back. Don't you see that you're not going to have a job? That, that that thing, God's not blessing you. He's abandoned you. He's left you. It's never going to get any better. This is as best as life is going to get. I've got you now. But David tops the hill. David tops the hill. Don't you know they left a battle cry? The enemy turns. On that day, Jesus was resurrected. The power of God broke loose, and Jesus got up. Amen? Hallelujah. The enemy was having a victory party, but little did they know, victory was the Lord's. David and only 200 of his original men wipes out a whole Amalekite troop. And what was remaining even fled. The Bible doesn't say that how many Amalekites there were, but that only 400 was a small part. Here are 200 of David and David's men take on a whole troop. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Amen? The rewards of his victory. David not only rescued his wives, but he rescued all the wives of everyone else in his, in his village. He rescued all that they had been taking captive and even more. It's just like God to give you more than what you had to begin with. You know, see, heaven was not my home. Heaven and the reward of heaven was not my spoils. But the Bible says that we have the riches of the inheritance of Him. That Jesus has given us the riches of His glory. You see, that's what's awesome about knowing Jesus. When they left that Amalekite place, they went back to Ziklag. They had more than what they even had 
alone, before. See, when you and I get to heaven, you're not just going to have what you have. You're going to have all that Jesus has and everything that Jesus is everyone. It's going to be yours and mine to enjoy. The peace that I never had before is going to be mine. The more peace, more joy, more love, more, more value, more identity that I've ever even ever known is going to be mine. So they were taken captive. He's been in pursuit. They've been freed from bondage. And now they have a reward of his victory. You know, there was a prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 29. We read this passage a lot, but it really is a letter to a captive people. And I think if God had written a letter to those who were sitting around that campfire that night, not knowing that David was coming because there was a moment of hopelessness and abandonment, that the same was true in the time of Israel when Israel was exiled in captivity uh, into the Babylonians. God wrote a letter through the prophet of Jeremiah to his people to say he was coming. Jeremiah chapter 29 says this is a letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent to Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive. So it's a letter, Jeremiah 29, is a letter to the captive. And what does he say in Jeremiah 29, 11 that we read so much? He says, For I know the thoughts I think for you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil. They're thoughts to give you a future and a hope. And it says that you will call upon me and you'll go pray to me and I will listen to you. And if you'll seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I'll gather you from all the nations and all the places where you have been driven, says the Lord, and I'll bring you back to the place that you have been carried away captive. Jesus, if he would write a letter to you today, if you are feeling like you're captive, if you're feeling like it's hopeless, if you feel like the enemy has carried you to a way of a place of depression, of suicide, of hopelessness, of abandonment, where it seems like everything is dark around you, Jesus is saying, hey, if you would just look up, look up, I'm coming. I am coming. So what do we get out of this today? You see, David had been gone for three days to Sharon. Sharon figuratively means the place of fruitfulness and glory, a place of peace forevermore, an eternal state. You know, Jesus was in the grave three days. He had gone to a place to purchase our fruitfulness, our glory, our peace forevermore. And just like David was gone three days to Sharon, Jesus was gone in the grave for three days to bring us peace forevermore. And while Satan had took uh, captive all that David had and was having a party, the enemy knew nothing of God's purpose for them. But God would change uh, that party into a place of victory. And while David is running nonstop before the fourth day, David's at the enemy's camp. And while you're not able to conceive how deliverance can come for your mind or your family, you know that God has a plan. Maybe today Satan has been lying to you saying, hey, you're in a graveyard. He's not alive. He's not coming. My problems surround me. I'm captive to this darkness. The enemy's laughing that God is soon to return Today And maybe it hasn't changed the fact in your life that you're just there. But he's coming. Have you been praying for a rescue today? Maybe you've been praying for a rescue for those spiritual or mental battles. Maybe you've been praying for a rescue for your addictions, those things that have been controlling you. Maybe you've been praying for a rescue today for physical infirmities or 
peace. David would write Psalms 32, and I'm going to close with this. Psalms 32, verse 6, David would write, For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him, for you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. See, what you can do in this moment is having faith that God is running to you, that Jesus has the anointing to break every chain. And while you're sitting in that dark place and the enemy is having their party, you know what his family probably were doing? Was singing songs of deliverance. You see, no matter where you are in this story or what position you may have, you can be in that dark place, and as you begin to lift up your voice and sing those songs of deliverance, you know where your help comes from. And he could be topping that hill any moment. They say Jesus could be coming back with a great shout and a trumpet and the voice of an archangel. He'd be coming to bring our permanent deliverance. But in the meantime, there may be little battles that you're going to go through in your life, emotional battles, physical battles, spiritual battles. You may feel captive. Jesus is running day and night. He is seeking out his lost sheep. He is coming for those. And maybe you feel like there's been walls of desperation around you and you don't feel like you're free. You don't feel like it's coming. Uh, We can begin to lift up those songs of deliverance and say, God, I know that Jesus is the only one who's been anointed to bring the freedom of I need. And just like that letter to the captive, he says, if you'll seek me out, if you'll cry out to me, if you'll search for me with all of your heart, I will be there. Worship team, would you come? Would you bow your heads this morning? Holy Spirit, we've just been obedient to you today that you could just wreck this service and do with it what you want. God, that you are preparing a place of victory for every person here today. God, we don't want to worship you. We don't want to sing songs out of our own ability, but like David strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Where are you at today, church? Where are you at today? I don't know. God wanted to do this today. There's obviously people here in this room God wanted to speak to and encourage today that He would change the whole service just for you. That He wanted to speak to you today. He's bringing freedom. He's led your captivity captive. Maybe you've been feeling hopeless and helpless. God loves you. With an everlasting love, He loves you. He's pursuing you. He might have you, not only just have you, but reward you with more than you've ever had. Say, Pastor, I don't even know what it would like to have peace in my mind. I don't know what it would like to have true joy of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it would be like to just let loose in worship. I've never let loose in worship before. I've never shouted before. I've never just felt the joy of the Holy Spirit come over me. I've never just, or maybe it's been so long, Pastor Heath. It's been so long since I've just felt that joy that fullness of the Holy Spirit that that breaks chains, that releases a a, a praise of my heart, that that even if the situations aren't there, but yet I could still feel the victory. You want to feel the victory today. I'm just going to invite you to pray right now where you are. Just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to worship the Lord. Come on, saints of God, you know how to pray. Let's just begin to exalt His name. 
Let's just begin to declare the victory of the Lord. The enemy is roaring. He's wanting to devour, but we can just say, Lord, I know where my help comes from. Lord, raise a standard against the enemy. Father, we just come against every principality and power in dark place. God, we, we put on the full armor of God. We know that Jesus has already won. The battle is His. We know that God answers every prayer that comes with a searching and longing heart. That Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Holy Spirit, have Your way. Have Your way, O God. Worthy are You, Lord Jesus. Holy are You, Lord God. Mighty are you, Lord God. Worthy are you, Lord. Holy are you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just wait on you today, Lord. Just wait on you today, God. You're bringing freedom in this moment, oh God. Freedom in this moment. More than words. More than a good sermon. More than a good message. More than just something that we've said. God, it's a spiritual thing. Spiritually, right now, God, bring freedom, victory. We can have victory right now, even if the circumstance hasn't changed. We can have songs of deliverance. Lord, in the midst of a dark place, the light is shining. The light is coming. Jesus, you're running for a rescue. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. God, we can't do anything without you. God, we can't do anything without you, Lord God. 